Listen, if you're a Christian in this room and you're trying to live the Christian life and you're like, man, I am just, it's impossible and I'm exhausted. Listen, there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit that is available to us. And the purpose of it is to give us the power to live a different kind of life. Welcome to Refuge Podcast, a weekly Bible study for young adults at Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano. If you have your Bible, uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read this again. Hopefully by the end of this series, we'll know this by heart. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away by these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge, through the same Spirit, to another faith, by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings, by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, and to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all have been made to drink into one spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we're, we're very thankful, God, for this passage of Scripture uh, and what it, what it means to us. And so, Lord, we pray as, as we read your word, as we study it tonight, we pray, God, that you would reveal to us the meaning of it, the interpretation of it, God, what you have for us. Lord, we know that you desire to speak to us in power and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we pray, God, that uh, as we study the Holy Spirit, Lord, would you uh, give us clarity, help us to understand. And, Lord, we're thankful that you are a God who longs to be close with us. And so, Lord, we pray tonight that you'd purge us of sin. Lord, that you'd bring to our our minds even now things that we need to get right with you, that we might uh, receive from you your, your written word. We love you, Jesus. We pray now that you would speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are currently, uh, like I said, we've been working through the book of First Corinthians for the last uh, year, since the beginning of the year or something like that. I can't remember. But we're already in chapter 12, so that's, we're, we're doing good on that one. But we're going to pause here in chapter 12, and we're going to look at uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, and these individual gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so last week, if you weren't here... We tackled the topic of the Trinity, of the triune God who is three in one. The Holy Spirit is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. He is God. Uh, So we looked at the third person of the Trinity. If you missed that study, um, I don't even remember because it was so much information and I went really fast and so you could go back and listen. But... um, Anywho, that's kind of what we looked at. We studied the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. 
And I hope you were blessed, but we spent time looking at the promise of the pouring out of the Spirit throughout the Old Testament, as well as specific examples of people anointed with God's Spirit uh, throughout the Old Testament. We looked at the fulfillment of that promise um, and the way that God made that available to us was through the new covenant, through the the sacrifice of Jesus upon the cross. He opens the door uh, for us to experience the presence of God, not just in a place, in one location, but always with us continually because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwells within us. We are now the home of the Holy Spirit. And so that's been provided for us by the cross. So tonight we want to look at the subsequent work of the Holy Spirit, which the Bible calls the baptism of, or with, or in the Holy Spirit. All of those prepositions are interchangeable. The baptism of, with, or in the Holy Spirit. We wanna answer, hopefully answer, I'm gonna try, to answer these three questions is, what is it? Like when someone asks you, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What is it? And I was trying to figure out today, like, what's one sentence definition of what it is? And it was really fun to ask all of our staff members. And it was funny that some of them were like, I don't know. And it was, yeah, right on. So we're going to find out. How do we receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit? And who is it available to? So we're going to look at those three questions. And I realized last week that I rattled off like 97 different references and I did it really fast so none of you could write them down and apparently there was some feedback of, of that was a negative thing. So, so we actually put them on the screen. So, so if you want to flip, you can flip. If you wanna sit there and do nothing, you can too, all right? However you wanna to participate tonight, feel free. Did we pray? Yeah, we did, all right. <laughs> So I'm going to read these four verses to you, and we're going to see what they teach us about the baptism of, with, or in the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushy mining wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 3, verse 16, it says, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John 1, 33 He says, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse (laughs) 4. I'm going to get you. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. All right. Come on, Maddie, come on. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So what do we learn from these four verses? Each one tells us something specific. There is a key word or key words within it. But what we learn from them is, There is an experience called the baptism of 
with or in, all those prepositions are interchangeable, there is a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And this baptism is a distinct and separate event from conversion, although it can take place at the same time. Okay, so there's different thoughts and there's different ideas on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, one of which is that you get all of the Holy Spirit when you are converted. Like everything that God is going to give you, you get on that day. When you are, are and we're going to get to in detail what it is and what Calvary, where we stand on this topic. There's some that believe that the, the gifts of the Spirit are not for today. They were used in the book of Acts and they've, they've kind of subsided. There's no longer a use for them. Um, but what we find from Scripture and what Jesus himself said is there is a baptism with the Holy Spirit. And there's a baptism not with water, but it's with fire. And the one who does the baptizing is Jesus, and the element in which he uses to baptize us with is not water, but it is the Spirit of God. So we want to ask the question, what is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Well, here at Calvary Chapel, we believe that there is a subsequent work of the Holy Spirit that can take place at conversion as well as after conversion, meaning believing in Jesus for your, as your Lord and Savior for salvation where the Holy Spirit empowers you for service and to be a witness within the world. John chapter 20, verse 22, Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now there are different... different diff, diff, there's different opinions. I was going to say differing. Different opinions on what this means. Some say it was symbolic, that when Jesus did that, it was a symbolic thing, that he just walked up to his disciples and breathed on them and said, receive the Spirit. And they're like, yeah, symbolic. I get it. Now, I don't know about you, but if Jesus were to walk up to you and breathe on you and be like, receive the Spirit, I don't think it would just be some symbolic thing. I think something would really happen to you. Something would really happen. There's differing, differing opinions about this. But what we know of, of the Gospels is that the disciples believed that Jesus was the Christ. Even Peter confessed. He says, Jesus, you are the Son of God. Like, you're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. And what did Jesus reply? He said to him, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father has revealed this to you. So there was a, an understanding and a belief in who Jesus was. But because Jesus had not died and risen from the dead, the Holy Spirit had not been poured out through the new covenant. The door had not been opened. There was a belief or a faith and an understanding, but the Holy Spirit had not been poured out and made available. In John chapter 20, verse 22, Jesus was dead, he's alive, he's risen, and this is where we find him saying, receive the Spirit of God. When the disciples received the Holy Spirit, this was the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is what we would call regeneration or to be born again of the Spirit. We would describe this in a threefold work of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit, first of all, is He is with us. And last week we talked about that, how there is a common grace of all humanity that the Holy Spirit is the breath of life. All life is sustained by him and given by him. Everything that's alive, plant life, animal life, human life. I was trying to think of other life, but I can't 
you know, Philemon, I can't, whatever. There's life within this world. Sorry. I was in the sun a lot today, so I'm feeling a little loopy. Um, <laughs> peace to you, all right? So, so this is where we experience that common grace, that every person in this world has been given the gift of life by the Spirit of God. Now, the Bible tells us clearly that we are dead in sins and trespasses, that you can be literally the walking dead, that there are people walking around who are alive physically but dead spiritually. Can we all agree on that point? When we come to life in God, our soul is brought to life. We are made new. We're, we're a new creation in Christ. What was dead in sin has now been brought to life in holiness, in righteousness. We're a new creation in Christ, right? That's what, when we give God glory, we, we are resurrected with Jesus in that sense. Now, that is the indwelling. So there's the with us part where the Holy Spirit is drawing all men unto himself. John 16, 8. Right on. It says, just to look it up, John 16, 8. Write it down, look it up later. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit is working within this world to draw men unto himself. To point people to salvation. To convince people that God is real and that God loves them and they need God. He is also in us. John chapter 3, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. We're gonna, next week, it's going to be awesome. John chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you. And this is him speaking to one of the, the highest religious leaders in the entire country. He says to him, Unless one is born of water, physical, and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Jesus talks about an indwelling or a rebirth that comes from inside, that the soul must be reborn. This is what we would call salvation. This is what we call salvation. That if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior tonight, you are walking around dead inside. That the Spirit of God wants to indwell us, to bring us back to life, to rejuvenate us, to give us the life that God has called us to live, that we might live with him forever in eternity. To, to not come to life in the spiritual sense in this life is to be sentenced to a lifetime of death forever in hell. And this is what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, this indwelling of the Spirit. And this is a key verse because there's a lot of differing opinions on what this is. He says in chapter 12, verse 13, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Some believe that this is like, hey, there's one baptism. Like we've all kind of like, that's what happens when you're, you're saved. You're born again. And so all one baptism. What this is communicating is that you don't have to be baptized in every church that you go to. So if you decide to leave Calvary Chapel San Juan because I was teaching heresy and you're like, I'm out of here. And you leave and you go to another church and you go there and you're like, well, I was baptized at that one. And they're like, hey, well, you got to be baptized in this one too. Paul said, we've all been baptized into one body. It's one spirit. The body of Christ. When you're baptized into Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit who does the baptizing. Who, rege who regenerates our soul and brings us to life in God, and we are now part of the body and the family of God because of the Holy Spirit. That is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We're all, we all good? Yeah. 
Okay, so this is what, what he's talking about here. The Holy Spirit is the one who does the baptizing into the body of Christ, meaning you don't have to get baptized at every church that you decide to go to. It's all the same body. Now, the third um, ministry of the Holy Spirit is that he comes upon us. Okay, he comes upon us. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power. This is Jesus speaking. You, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That word upon is the word hapi in the Greek. It means exactly what it means. It means that he will come upon. It means that he comes over you. The word baptism here is the word in the Greek baptizo, and it has two meanings. One that is figurative, that you can use with water baptism, and it has one that is literal, that like no, figurative, yeah, figurative and literal, you know what I mean. You know what they mean. The word literally, the, this word literally means to be submerged. It is the idea of being pickled. Okay, that's the only way I can think of it and describe it. That a cucumber goes in and what comes out is a pickle, right? Stick with me. I know it was weird. I just said pickle in church. That is the idea that something goes in and it's changed when it comes back out. That is what is being described when we are baptized with the Holy Spirit, that we are changed and given power to live the Christian life. Listen, if you're a Christian in this room and you're trying to live the Christian life and you're like, man, I am just, it's impossible and I'm exhausted. Listen. There is a baptism of the Holy Spirit that is available to us, and I'm going to tell you how it happens, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. And the purpose of it is to give us the power to live a different kind of life. It's, a, it's the power to live a different kind of life. Now, when we are water baptized, and, and by the way, Easter is coming up. All right. And, and we're going to have a sunrise service for all of you that, that love the morning, love those mornings. I'll be here at 4 a.m. making coffee um, for all you punks that come at 6. And then, I'm just kidding, we'll be here setting up chairs. We're going to get ready. It's going to be out in the back parking lot. It's going to be amazing. And then we have our service down the outlets later that day at 10. And we're going to have a baptism right after, right there in the parking lot. So if you have not been baptized and you would like to be this is your weekend. Also, if you were baptized as a baby and you're like, I'm cool, but you, you don't know what it means and you don't know what's going on, hey, baptism is for you. Come talk to me afterwards. We'll talk about what that is later. But it's coming up. Now, when we are water baptized, it's an outward sign. We're actually going to talk about it right now. Should have read my notes a little further. It's an outward sign of an inward work, right? We're not saved by being dunked into, at Doheny. When we have a baptism at Doheny, it's, it's dangerous. It's dangerous that we were like, close your mouth, close your eyes, close your nose, right? Because we're putting you down and everyone's like, you know, come out third arm out of your chest. It, there's nothing magical. No, just kidding. There's nothing magical about the water at Doheny. We could all agree. But it's a symbol. It's a sign. It's figurative. What's being displayed is we are identifying with the death of Jesus Christ. As he was laid in the grave, we too are laid into a watery grave. And when we come up, as Jesus was risen from the dead, lifted up, we too, when we come out of the water, 
We're, we're, being, we're identifying with his death and his resurrection. And the sin of the old man, the sin of the old life is left there in the grave with Jesus where all of that sin was taken care of, dead, paid for. And when we raise up, we're a new creation in Christ. It's a symbolic thing. It's an outward sign of an inward work that's already taken place at conversion. It's already taken place in that moment in which you give your life to Jesus. That's what happens. You've gone from life, or you're gone from death to life, from darkness to light in a moment. Now, the baptism within or of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is the one who's doing the baptizing, and the element is the Holy Spirit for the purpose of power to be a witness in our immediate surroundings and to the world. Notice that when Jesus quotes that in, in Acts 1.8, there's this like explosion in Jerusalem that then extends out into Judea, that extends out further into Samaria, that then goes out even further into the ends of the world. And these 12 guys that were, were going to experience this baptism of the Holy Spirit didn't just stop with them. They took that and began to lay hands on others. And again, they experienced the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And that's what changed the entire world. That's what totally changed the entire world. It was 12 guys, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, running amok. And it was cool. Read the book of Acts. It's really super big cliffhanger, by the way. The book of Acts is the biggest cliffhanger that's ever existed. The Apostle Paul, he's on his way to Rome. He gets shipwrecked. He like makes it to this island. The Lord tells him, like, you're not going to die. And he's like, guys, we're not going to die. They make it to shore. They're there on shore. He's like, I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve these guys. And so he goes out to gather firewood, only to be bitten by a poisonous snake, where then he just shakes it off into the fire. And then the next thing you see is Paul waiting in Rome, bound. And then you flip the page, and it says Romans. And you're like... What happened? This is the biggest cliffhanger at all. Listen, it doesn't stop with Paul. We are the continuation of the story. The church is the continuation of that story, the book of Acts. Now, we've answered the question what it is. It is the empowering, the Holy Spirit coming upon us for the witness or, or um, to be a witness within the world. To give us the power to do that. To live the Christian life. Now, who is it available for? Like, who gets this? Because what happens a lot of times, in, in the, you see it in different denominations, is that you have nominal Christians and then you have super spirit-filled Christians, right? You have like the Baptists over here who are like wearing the tie and they're like, oh, peace be with you. They're just quiet. And then you have Pentecostals who are running around like a foreign track meet, like speaking a different language, running in circles. And you're like, there has to be some kind of balance within this, right? There's different thoughts on this whole thing. Now, who is it available to? Not just, um, not just the super spiritual, but who does God say that this belongs to? Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 39, it says, now when they heard this, and speaking of that, it's, it's Peter preaching this message that was unlike anything else. The Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost, he stands up and he says, and it says, as, as he stood up, he was filled with the Spirit and he began to speak. And as he spoke, he preaches one of the most magnificent like displays of the gospel ever. This is the guy who often didn't talk great, um, to say the, le the least. But it says, now they heard this and they were cut to the heart. And that's what Spirit-filled preaching does. That's why preaching is an irreplaceable like medium within 
our culture. And listen, everyone is preaching something. We have evangelists for everything. There's, there's essential oil evangelists. There's CrossFit evangelists, right? There's, there's um, plant-based evangelists. There's, uh, I don't know, you name it. We got, we, there's coffee aficionado if, if evangelists who are like, hey, you don't know about the bean? Like, you don't, you have an experience. Like, there's evangelists. And, and listen, you know they're evangelists because it's on the tip of their tongue. It's at the very, if, if they could just, it's right at the, the cusp. If they could just, anyone could bring up the word oil, essential oils. Have you tried lavender? Have you tried, you know? It, why? Because it's on the tip of their tongue. It's what they preach. For the church, what we preach, an irreplaceable uh, an irreplaceable thing within our culture is the preaching of God's word. Not just from a pulpit or from, a, from behind a pulpit, but it should be on the tip of every Christian's tongue is the gospel. Because that's what we're called to be evangelists of. Now, there's nothing wrong with CrossFit or essential oils or any of those things. Just an example. But when Peter speaks, he says, men and brethren, what shall we do? Their response to what they heard of the preaching of the gospel is, what should we do? Like, we killed Jesus, is what Peter said. You killed Jesus. Like, the Savior of the world. You killed him. Talk about offensive. Like, you, <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody, but you killed Jesus. So, thanks. But here's, he just, like, lays that out for them. And they said, well, what, what can we do? How, how can we be saved? And this is what Peter tells them. First of all, verse 38, repent. Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So he says, repent from your sin. Confess your sin. Turn from your sin. And then identify with Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And the third thing he says is, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. These are the very men that crucified Jesus. And he says to them, you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But he says, not only that, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Verse 9 is telling us the Jews, their descendants, those who are far off, meaning the Gentiles themselves, as many, as many as the Lord calls to salvation. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is not only available for the, for the spiritually elite, but for the believer in Jesus Christ, anyone. And that promise that Peter speaks about didn't stop there, but continues to the church who is under the new covenant relationship with God. One example is ordinary people. Who is it for? Ordinary people. That's where I fit in. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter, John, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. They, they even identified these were normal guys, uneducated, unlearned, but there was something about them that was different. They had been with Jesus. The way that they talked, what they said, what they knew of Scripture, they were like, man, this is this is." Not them. This isn't their education talking. This isn't 11th grade math that's talking here. This is an experience of Jesus himself. Ordinary men, fishermen. Acts chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. And, say, and the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorius, Nechanor, Timon, and Pumbaa. No, Timon. <laughs> 
Parmenius, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set. These are hard to say. <laughs> whom they set. Don't, don't, see, I didn't go to school. Leave me alone. <laughs> whom they set before the apostles, and they had prayed, and they laid hands on them. That whole list of guys that I can't even read. Did it say that there were any kind of noble birth, any kind of like special skill? There's ordinary people. One of them wasn't even a Jew. He was a proselyte. He converted. Like, he wasn't even like one of the people. These were ordinary people. So what does that mean for us? We too, ordinary people, have available to us the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 16, it's not just men. Acts chapter 16, verse 11. Lydia, one of the first converts in Philippi. It's her and a, a jailer that start the church in Philippi. Like these two people. She was a seller of purple, which was like a big deal. She had a lot of money. And she was there by a river. And Paul the apostle comes. And he starts preaching the gospel. She's saved, filled with the spirit. And God works and moves in that city. In Acts chapter 18, Aquila and Priscilla, a married couple. Just a married couple working a normal job. They're filled with the Spirit. They're used by God. So who is it available to? Anyone and everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus. The requirement for the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And that means you too can receive the power that comes from the Holy Spirit. Formally, not only ordinary people, but formally enemies of Jesus. Acts chapter 9, one of the greatest Stories of conversion ever. Saul of Tarsus was there at the death of Stephen as he held everyone's coats as they threw rocks at this guy for preaching the gospel until he was dead. That then set him on a blaze to go and destroy the name of Jesus. I think it was, um, who was it? Oh, the guy from L.A. who's like, my beloved, what's his name? You know what I'm talking about? You know, Vernon McGee. J. Vernon McGee said there was no greater, sorry, there was no greater enemy to the name of Jesus than Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul the Apostle. Listen, not only ordinary people, not only those who crucified Jesus, but those who made it their aim to destroy and kill anyone who believed in Jesus. That's the transforming power and manifestation of the Holy Spirit. That's something that only God can do in a human's life. So that answers the question of who is it available to now how do we receive it? How do we receive it? Numbers chapter 20, verses 1 through 12. And I'm just going to read them to you. I know we've been all over the Bible. But stick with me. We're almost done. Here we go. Numbers 20. In the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin. And they camped in Kadesh. And while they were there, Miriam died and was buried. There was no water for the people to drink at that place, so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. And the people blamed Moses and said, If only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers. Why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into this wilderness to die along with all our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, and no water to drink. And Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell on their face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, You and Aaron must take the staff 
Assemble the entire community as the people watch. Speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out its water. And you will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. Now, you remember a former story where, Jesus, or, or where God told Moses, I want you to take your staff and I want you to strike the rock. This is a different command. He told Moses, I want you to go and I want you to speak to the rock. And when you talk to it, it's going to give water. Now, I've been in the desert many times. Nah, probably twice. But I've been around rocks. Like, we're around rocks all the time. And if you talk to them, most of the time, they're not going to give water. This is a step of faith for Moses. Like, he's going to have to take a step of faith here. And so Moses did as he, he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather it to the rock. And he said, listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff and water gushed out. Is that what he was told to do? What was he told to do? Speak to it. He had already hit it once. This, this time, he's supposed to talk to it which sounds weird and crazy. And this is what the Lord says to him. Because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land that I'm giving them. He tells Moses, because of your lack of faith, you misrepresented me. Therefore, you don't get to go in. This is a sad story. This is not the place I wanted to end this Bible study. But this is a sad story. Now listen. In John chapter 7, okay, I know we're all over the Bible. Numbers, John chapter 7. It was the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. Now this was a time where all of Israel was required. It's, it was called Sakoth or Sakat is this festival that they were required to keep every year. And the people would commemorate their ancestors' time in the wilderness by building little lean-to shacks with thatched roofs, and they would take their kids camping for a week, right? It was like a mandatory camping trip from the Lord. How many of you love, never mind. If you love camping, you're like, dude, God's, God knows what's up. Go camping, he says. In, in order that as the kids were laying there at night and they'd be looking up through the roof, they could see through the, these thatched roofs, the stars twinkling, and they would say, look at the light, look at the stars. And like, what's that, right? Because that's what every kid asked. And this was an opportunity for every parent to tell their children about what God had done for the nation of Israel. That for 40 years, God sustained them. He gave them water, he gave them food, he gave them shelter, he led them, God provided for them because he loved them. It was that time of year. It's that feast. They're commemorating what God had done his deliverance of his and his provision during the eight this this period that's what they would be doing and during this feast they would they would be um, there would be a ceremony at the temple and thousands upon thousands of people coming together in remembrance and celebrating God's deliverance and his provision during this eight day period so there were so many sacrifices that were made at this time that it required all 24 divisions of priests to be present to assist with the sacrificing. Like it, everyone was called in from every region to come and to help. And on the first morning of this feast, on the eighth day, a procession of priests went down to the pool of Siloam to bring up to the temple a golden container of water sufficient to last throughout the seven days of the feast. The water was brought up with great ceremony. The shofar was blown, shofar, show good. And they would blow this giant horn. And the pilgrims who had come to Jerusalem for the feast waved their lalavs as the priests, I don't know what that is, as they carried the water around the altar. 
And the great Hallel Psalms, Psalm 113 through 118, were, were recited. They would sing these songs. And the priests on duty, they would pour out the contents into two silver bowls. One held water and the other held wine. And they would be mingled there as they poured them out around the altar onto the ground. This was an act of prayer, an expression of dependence upon God to pour out his blessing of rain upon the earth. And on the last day, or the great day of the feast, the water liberation, it would reach its climax, and the priests would circle the altar seven times, and then would pour out the water with great pomp and ceremony. And this was the Hoshana Rabbah. I know, it's all like very exciting. And, and the great Hashiana, or the, it was translated like, save now. There, there's a ceremony of them saying, God, save us. As you provided in the wilderness, save us. And on the last day, the climax of this feast, this is when Jesus stood up in John chapter 7, verse 37, and he says at the top of his lungs, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. From me comes torrents of living water. John chapter 7, verse 37. Let me read it to you exactly how it is written. This is what Jesus says, crying out with a loud voice. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Why did I read you that giant story in the book of Numbers? Why did Moses not get to go into the promised land? He misrepresented God. How did he misrepresent God? God said, speak to the rock. He hit the rock. He had already hit the rock before. He hit the rock and water came out. This time he was supposed to speak. It was a picture throughout scripture. Jesus is a picture or the rock is a picture of Jesus. And by the striking of the rock the first time, water would come out for salvation. And then the church could ask in faith, receiving torrents of living water by simply asking in prayer. That is what has been provided for us. Not only salvation through the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, but torrents of living water that not only affect us and empower us, but the Bible says that it would refresh and it would extend to any and to all. Torrents of living water would come out of us. What did Jesus say? You will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. How is that going to happen? Through the Holy Spirit pouring out of his church. That's what the full new covenant is. Is a relationship with God based upon asking, speaking, and faith. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Listen, we have this available to us. We receive the indwelling of God's spirit through faith in Jesus as Lord and the overflowing power of the spirit coming upon us by simply asking for it in faith. That's who it's available to. This is how we receive it. Tonight, if you're like, man, I've never prayed to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, which is the, the only prereq, like you can 
If you feel, if you feel dry and you feel worn out, perhaps it's because you leak the Holy Spirit and you need to be refilled with the Spirit. And we see that throughout the book of Acts. It says that they stood up. Men did, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Every time you read through those stories, you hear, filled with the Holy Spirit. It was Vance Havner, and I put it in my notes, and it's not here, but here's what he said. We will not change the world by our... What's the word? Never mind. It's not, not going to make any sense because it doesn't even matter. But here's what he said, and I'm going to try and paraphrase. You're not going to change the world by, like, telling, tell everyone how bad it is. You're not going to change anything by just simply pointing the finger and being like, this is what's wrong, this is what's wrong, this is what's wrong. It's not going to change by us just simply being in it. It's going to, be ah, it's going to come from the combustion within it because we're baptized with fire. And Jesus is the one who baptizes us with fire. Listen, you've heard your whole life, you can change the world. No, you can't. No, you can't. That's why Jesus came. By his spirit, through the works of his spirit in us, that's what changes the world. It's God's spirit. So every time your, your teacher, your kindergarten teacher is like, you're going to change the world. No, you're not. Jesus changed the world. Jesus changed the world. And he's changing people person by person. Do you know that the, the kingdom of God is built that way? It's brick by brick, soul by soul. That's how the kingdom of God is built. So that is by no means an exhaustive study on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There is far more that we could, you know, hours and hours, but I don't even know. I spent the last three days just scratching my head going like, I don't know how this all works, but I do know that Jesus said that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I don't know about you. If Jesus says it's available, then I want that. Like, I want that. So we're going to close in worship tonight, but let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for your word tonight. Um, God, we're, we're thankful that your spirit moved upon every single one of us to draw us to you. That no one calls you Lord except by the Spirit of God. And so, Lord, we're, we're so thankful that you drew us close. You convicted us. You brought us to Jesus. And God, not only did you, did you draw us by your Spirit, but you, you indwell us. God, that you live in each of us. As Paul said, do you not know that you were the temple of the Holy Spirit. That God, you indwell us and you also want to come upon us in power to overflow our life that we might be an effective witness for you. But not only an effective witness, but just to live a Christian life. To live a life of holiness as you've called us to. As your word says, be holy for I am holy. That's not possible for me except through the power of God's Spirit. And we're thankful, Lord, that you have not left us alone. You did not leave us orphans here on this earth, but you sent us your spirit who is with us always. We thank you for the promises found in your word that tell us that as a good father, you give good gifts to your children. Will you not also give us your spirit, your word says. And so tonight, if there's anyone in this room, you have not received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and you would like it. You want that. You're a Christian, you believe in Jesus, but you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit and you would like to be. I just want to pray over you tonight. We want to pray that God would pour out his spirit on you. 
to empower you. Listen, there is nothing greater than being filled with the Holy Spirit. If you need that, God says it's available to you. God, we ask right now, would you baptize them with your spirit with fire? Lord, empower them, overflow them with who you are. God, we know that there are things that you want to give us in order that we might have the tools to live in the world that we live in. So God, we pray, whatever it is that you would pour out on these individuals, Lord, would you do that by your spirit? God, give these, these guys the gift of faith right now to believe that this is happening. God, we pray the fire of the spirit would burn away whatever is not of you. To fill them in those empty places, to fill those places that have been filled with sin, God, to overflow them with your power, with your spirit, renew whatever has been dead, bring it back to life within them, Lord. God, we believe that you're a good God. We believe that you want to move in these last days, and it's going to be by those who are filled with the Spirit. And so, Lord, we thank you tonight. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.